Hey guys, Alex Lokes here for Classic Camera Revival, and right now it is, when we're recording this, it is still the dead of winter, but um, we talk a lot about cameras with built-in focus assists, like rangefinders, SLRs, um, we've also talked about fixed focus cameras, but there's this little weird style of camera right in the middle of it called scale focus, or guesstimate, um, whatever you want to call it, it's, it is a bit of a guesswork to... Uh, get it right. So uh, let's get on the scales. Coming to you live from Toronto, Canada, this is the Classic Camera Revival. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you certainly will after listening to our show. Okay, so um, we are going to uh, start off today with um, Mike and uh, the Ansco Hey, I'm talking today about my little Ansco Mimar. It's funny because um, I've got several scale focus cameras that I brought to the table, like a Pony, a Voigtlander. Uh, the first one I ever got, a Calamar A, and a Kodak Brownie Hawkeye. But one of the cameras that I've had a lot of fun with is my Mimar. And one of the biggest reasons why is I've got this weird passion for scale focus cameras. It's, it's almost like a huge challenge for me to just nail the focus every time I don't sometimes I do it's a lot of luck involved and plus since I work also in the trades I'm able to really guess distances fairly well considering I'm always working with distances but one of the things that uh, really set me off was with the Mimar was the uh, the great and the uh, great Agfa optics on it. I mean, I I used to shoot a long time ago with uh, an Agfa Isolat, which funny it's it's another scale focus camera, but it, except in one twenty. And I ended up coming across this little Mimar and playing around with it. And then I happened to go online onto uh, that wonderful auction site, which was always a mistake. And I happened to see its big brother, the Super Mimar, with uh, this absolutely gorgeous Soligar F2 lens. What an absolutely stunning camera. And for a fixed focus, or I should say a fixed lens rangefinder, uh, they go for really inexpensive prices and for an F2 lens. But uh, the Mimar, although it's a triplet design, triplet lens, um, really, really sharp optics, really, really easy to use, big, bright viewfinder, not as big and bright as the Voigtlander, as John can attest with when he's talked about his Voigtlander uh, Vito B before. They have amazing viewfinders, but uh, the Mimar doesn't doesn't disappoint at all. It's uh, quite a lovely little camera, has instead of a usual little wine knob for advancing the film, it's actually got a proper film throw for it, so you can ratchet it and it's a lot easier to use than sitting there with your fingers trying to twist it, especially in the dead of cold with gloves. Gloves don't work and you take your fingers off and it's cold metal and your fingers start to hurt <laughs> the little knurlings on it all. So it makes a huge difference with this one. Um, now, the meme, the Ansco Mimar also goes by another name. Yes, it does. It actually goes by the Agfa Select. Now, one of the reasons why it goes by the name of Ansco is that's the American version. They yes. did the importing of these cameras, and they were built by Agfa, but, of course, we all know that after the war, there was a lot of tensions with the idea of, well, not so much tensions, but also embargoes and treaties and all this. And so a mm. lot of the German 
camera products, they weren't really brought into the U.S. unless they were flown in by the GIs. Um, but one way that they got around it was they had their American importers and they just rebadged. That's right. And also by this point, the egg for plant in America had already been nationalized that by is true the too. United States. And we did a previous episode where I actually spoke to Andrew Hiltz about uh, that fun little history. Yeah. Now, I do have a few sample images that I have taken on this. I do want to update them. Um, now, there is one thing that I must say that uh, some people are say is a must with these kind of cameras, and that's you're like me and maybe a little bit of a sadist and like to try to guess the focus and try to nail as many per roll as possible. You can get auxiliary range finders and use mm -hmm. those as well. Yeah. I've used one on my Mimar. In fact, the images that I've that I've uh, shared, I used with my auxiliary rangefinder, and one of them was my lovely wife Donna with her absolutely beautiful, and unfortunately it's now gone, uh, Hasselblad 500cm. And I tried as tight as possible, closest focus I could really get and match it between my auxiliary rangefinder and this, and it actually it worked out really well. And you can really see the nice. uh, sharpness of this lens; it is quite remarkable. Awesome. Well, one, uh, one camera that uh, Mike did mention was the Voigtlander, and John actually has a Voigtlander to talk about. Uh, thanks, Alex. I'm going to talk about the Voigtlander Bessa 66. This is a beautiful little scale focus um, medium format camera that I was given for free. Uh, maybe the guy thought I was Alex. It was just a case of mistaken identity. Um, and this is a camera that... Um, there are a fair number of iterations, particularly in the lens department, um, because there was pre both pre-war and post-war. I'm lucky enough to have the uh, like one of the the later models because it comes with a color scope bar lens that actually has some coating. Like it's a 75 millimeter f 3.5 lens, and uh, when I nail the focus, that uh, I, I'd say that that lens is just as good as the lens of Miraloflex or even heck some of the, the the Hasselblad lenses. It's that sharp. Of course, the trick is focusing. Um, and what I try and do with that camera because it's medium format, um, I prefer high speed film on it. You know, let's say like a HP five. I tend to use a lot of that these days. HP five plus rather, and so that I can uh, zone focus and set uh, hyperfocal distance. Um, and like with with the scale cameras, the hyperfocal distance technique is a um, can be a real lifesaver and allows you it gives you some some room to maneuver, some room for errors. So uh, I'm not going to go through and explain step by step what hyperfocal distance is, but I would recommend googling it. And um, I'd, I'd say if if you don't have an understanding of hyperfocal distance, um, and you're shooting a scale camera, eventually you're going to be disappointed so that's a great uh, technique to use now that the one thing i really like about the bassa 66 is that when it's folded down it's uh it's quite a bit smaller i don't have it in front of me but when it's folded down like in my hand i'm holding a fujika compact 35 uh it's actually narrower it's like it's about that same size to have in a pocket so it's great to have a 120 camera shoot six by six that uh, you can just put in a pocket and does not uh, weigh you down. The only thing that I really dislike about it or just have to deal with is the the finder situation. It's, shall we say, it's a bit primitive. 
Um, it just it's a two piece thing that folds up. Yes, <laughs> and it's Voigtlander liked those. Yeah, well, that's maybe that's why Casino bought them. Um, and so, like you know, it's you can't really use it for like critical composition. Uh, it just because it, I find it, and I also wear glasses. It doesn't help. Mm. Um, that's the one. Like, like I'm I'm tempted every now and then to think about it. If I didn't want to butcher the camera, like I would love to find some square, relatively sort of you know normal view viewfinder that was better, and just replace what's on there. But then I'd be butchering the camera. So I think I'll just grin and bear it. Yeah. So apart apart from the um, the finder, it's a great camera, and they're not expensive. Yeah. Well, Matt from uh, Toronto Film Shooters might be able to manufacture something. He's yeah. he's good in that department. And uh, sticking to the German theme, um, one of the smallest cameras, well, not the smallest camera that we've ever talked about on the show, but definitely rates right down there is the Roly 35. I'm lucky that I have a brother who is also a film photographer who has as much, if not more, camera gear than I do. It's true. We've seen the basement. Yes, it's... um it's one of those, it's urban legend, and I really don't want to out my brother Alex. But he has some incredibly great, good tasting cameras, and in this case, the Rolly 35. Now, everyone's familiar with their, the Frank and Heideck of TLRs. Like, I have one, I have a couple of Rolly cords, and I got a Rolly Flex Series E. At the other extreme, the Rolly 35, and it was really... It was like a, a, a compact camera, probably the one compact camera I would own considering this massive compact camera craze that's been going out there it they come in two different flavors the 43.5 uh, Zeiss Tessar lens which was available in front when they were made in Germany and then the uh, also, uh, uh, the ones made in Singapore was also available, the 43.5. But the Singapore models also had a 42.8 sonar lens. Now, what's the difference between the two? Well, just subtle little things under the hood. Uh, Gosen provided the light meters for uh, the German Rolly 35s. And uh, Japan, I believe it was Sekonic that made for... Uh, the Singapore models, I but I could be totally off base. Um, Rolly 35 fans out there, please correct me on social. So I had a chance to buy, borrow one of my brother's uh, Rolly 35s late last summer. It was a made in Germany uh, 43.5 Tessar model. It's glass so sharp you could cut your eyes with it. I shot with a roll of, I think, Fuji Acros 100. It was like the perfect mate mating. Now, in terms of ergonomics, uh, we're always used to loading the film. Uh, the film leader goes to the right, and you put it in the take-up spool, and off you go. Everything's ass backwards with the 35. The cartridge is on the right side, upside down. You go to the left, and uh, the lens is collapsible. Um, it's zone-focused, and... I, I managed to, again, I shot on a sunny day, so bear in mind I cheated. A sunny 16 was my friend that day, and I I exploited that for all it was worth, and I got like I, I amazing photos out of that camera. Yes, I want one. A made in Germany 43.5 Tessar model in chrome. I'll be happy as can be. Bonus points if the meter actually works. Um, so if you're looking to buy one, 
budget some serious money because they have crept up in price. Nowhere near as bad as that re- ridiculously insane price of that contacts in the UK at eighteen hundred pounds. <laughs> but yeah, a budget a couple hundred dollars. If you shop smart, uh, you might get lucky at a used camera dealer who. You know, we'll cut you a deal. Uh, the Rolly 35s, again, are small enough that you can literally put in your own pocket. It is an amazing travel camera, which is uh, something a lot of people, if you really want to travel light and sort of reduce decision making, a 40 millimeter focal length is just perfect because it, it's sort of just slightly wider than normal. And you can you can work a lot with that focal length. Nice. And uh, next up is um, the Fujika Compact 35. And please tell me that's not a half frame. This is... Get out of my house. (laughs) I own one half frame camera. It's an Olympus Pen Double E. And I think it's sitting on the shelf being the queen that it should be. Excellent. (laughs) Half frame. That's not a a format. A.K.A. paperweight. Doorstop. Boat anchor. Your choice. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. Uh, so what I have here is the uh, Fuji uh, Compact 35, a.k.a. Fujika Cheapo 35 um, um, scale focus camera. Uh, and I only mean cheapo in the sense that these things don't cost very much money, as do typical um, uh, scale focus cameras of the uh, early to mid-60s vintage. They're, they're, they're a dime a dozen these days. It kind of, it kind of reminds me of... Um uh, Canonette Bell & Howell 25. It really, really well, looks that before they turned it into the rangefinder. Sure. Model. So, well, this actually came out in the midst of the uh, Minolta Hymatic. Um, uh, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Okay. Yeah, them, the G3s and that all makes that sense stuff. Now. So, yeah, totally so if does. you were to look at, say, like a Hymatic 5 versus this camera, it's pretty much the same camera. Okay. So, in terms of scale focusing, um, so... Okay, so let's make a little distinction here. So there was kind of two generations of scale focusing out there. So there's kind of the icon-based scale focusing, like... Mountains, like, multiple blokes, yeah, like one my, bloke, yeah. Like Fisher-Price, my, my first camera, um, a.k.a. Holga. <laughs> um, forgot the Diana there. Or Diana sitting behind me, yes. Or Trip 35. Or Trip 35. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. iconic one, yeah? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I don't want to veer too much off tangent here, but there's essentially two sort of methods to scale focus. One is using the actual focus scale on the barrel of the lens, where you choose the aperture, and then it tells you, um, if you look at the, the readings on, on the lens... You'll see when you're at a particular aperture, uh, how much foreground and background will be in focus in terms right. of feet or meters. Um, so that is the, I guess, sort of traditional way of scale focusing, um, at least modern way of scale focusing, I guess. It's not the traditional way. I guess the first way, or perhaps the traditional way, was the picture icons, as Alex said. So you have essentially a landscape, you have group shot, you have portrait, and then you have close-up. And they're all... Um, little icons of uh, pictures. So, uh, like a landscape would be a picture of a mountain. A a, a group shot would be essentially uh, a group of say three people—a mother, father, and child—or something like that. 
and etc. So, you, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. This particular camera is interesting. Um, it's a 35 millimeter camera, obviously obvious by the name. Uh, it's got a 28, um, uh, pardon me, a 2.8, uh, 38 millimeter lens. So not bad. It's pretty cool for a, uh, for like a, a walk around travel street photography yeah, kind of kit. Uh, Fujinon lenses are terrific. Um, can't go wrong with you that. You can't go wrong with them. It's got uh, a selenium meter in it. This one works. It's meter. The meter's accurate. Nice. Uh, a few drawbacks, uh, or one particular drawback, is uh, the shutter speed. So, or pardon me, the film speed. Uh, uh, so it only goes as high as uh, uh, ASA two hundred, which is odd. So if you're going to use a, if you're going to use a. <laughs> Yeah, if you're going to use a, a, f a faster film than 200, uh, then you'll have to compensate. You have to shoot it in manual mode. Um, I keep this thing in, in automatic, which is essentially aperture priority. Uh, nice. Or pardon me, it's 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 uh, it's actually fully automatic. Rather, it sets oh. it sets both uh, uh, aperture and uh, and shutter speed. Very nice. There is no shutter speed uh, control on the camera, so outside of uh, automatic, it is an aperture priority camera. Okay. Um, you know, not much to say about it. You can pick one of these things up for, you know, if you find a mint one, maybe 80 bucks. Yeah. Average. 40. You see that a lot with yeah. Fujika. Yeah. Fuji stuff. So. Um, comes with a nice little plastic case, um, or probably leatherette case. I recommend if you're going to buy one of these things, buy one with a leatherette case. Otherwise, the meter's going to burn out when it right. sits on your shelf. So, yep. um, not you know like it's there's not much to it it's a light tight box with a good lens in front of it and uh you know uh very yeah. very sharp corner to corner you know above average performance for like a 35 sort of you know uh, wide normal uh prime lens uh you know very much competitive and or equivalent to uh the Hymatic um or trip 35 uh camera yeah, not much else to say about it. Really cool camera to have in your collection if you're just looking to carry something in your pocket. Yeah. Or purse. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like the, um, what is that one that my cousin has, a Yashica Y35 or something like that. It's kind of the same idea, and it goes yeah. by the icons. But the really amusing part with this one was the icons on it when we were looking at it. You went, it, it almost looked like the icons were, one was a pregnant woman, then the next one was several pregnant women, and then you went to mountains. And I, I, I it always baffled me because it literally, even even Donna, ha, she has to agree with me. It looked like the symbols were pregnant women. <laughs> well, you know, if, if they were Zeiss icons, they'd be twice the price. <laughs> <laughs> but just before I end this, you know, one of the cool things, like if you're going to get into scale focus photography, like... Um, and want to do it with some degree of precision, like if you're going to shoot landscapes and that sort of thing, or even portrait work with it. Um, one of the cool things that I used to use, like probably about, um, I don't know, five years ago, uh, was I have this little laser measuring tool. So mm. like something that you can pick up like dirt cheap on uh, on Amazon or something like that. Or your local hardware your store. Local hardware shop, yeah, exactly. And uh, you just... You point it at where you want to uh, set your hyperfocal hyper distance. Yep. Um, in particular for landscape. So, like, you know, it's where you want the maximum sharpness foreground to, to background. Uh, and um, so their hypofocal focal distance will be that point in the distance to which you will focus on. 
uh, to to achieve that, and it varies lens to lens. You can buy an app, you can get an app on your phone to tell you. I have the app, um, but if you just get uh, a laser measuring tool and point it there, point it to your hyper hyperfocal distancing distance spot, you'll get your 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 uh, yeah. distance uh, readout, and then you can set your focus accordingly. Yep, absolutely. And uh, we've had all these great cameras, and I bring. The plastic. Fantastic. That's right. I am talking, of course, about the Holga 120N. Now, if you follow, um, if you follow the uh, film photography news, um, you'll know that the Holga factory itself um, stopped production um, quite recently. But another manufacturer um, called uh, Sunshine Cameras... Um, in partnership with Freestyle, actually got a hold of a couple of the um, couple of the molds for the uh, 120N um, camera, and I've had an original Holga, and I currently have one of the new ones. And the funny thing is, is that my new Holga behaves more like a Holga than my old Hol- Holga. Um, this is not if you are big on sharp images, perfectly exposed, perfectly in focus. Um, This is not the camera for you. Um, And I'll admit, I don't take it out as often because I like my SLRs, my Roloflex, my Hasselblad, my large format cameras. But sometimes you just want to go and have some fun. And the Holga is, um, is honestly great for it. Um, takes 120 film, um, shoots either um, 6x6 or 6x4.5. I prefer it in 6x6 because the 4.5 mode basically puts it into portrait, and you have to sort of turn the camera on its side to get it into landscape. And I actually have one of the FPP debonairs that I'm currently in the process of modding to turn it into a landscape mode so you'd actually have to hold it on the side and then you'd have your uh, shutter release on the top um the lens vignettes like hell um plastical plastic optics except if you get the 120 gn which actually has a glass lens on it but i think that kind of defeats the purpose of what you're going for um the lens hat you have a choice of two apertures f8 or f16 so really in the end you kind of guess the focus. It has the icons on it. You got mountains, a group of people, three people, and a single person. So doesn't really do much in the way of close focus. But I mostly use this to shoot landscape, architecture, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I don't really take pictures of people on it. And even if I did, I wouldn't mind a little bit of soft focus on it because I mean it's it's a toy camera. Um, thankfully, mine does not have any light leaks yet. Um, but if it did, I'd just use the uh, handyman secret weapon and duct tape the shit out of it. <laughs> duct tape and cockroaches. That's all that's going to be left when we're gone. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Go out and shoot something. Actually, I wouldn't um, give They're a little a child. pricey for kids now. Yeah, How much I, are they? Oh, they're... 100 bucks? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's cheaper to give your child like a, an if old you, SLR, if you want, like a knicker match. If you don't want to spend this level of money, um, go out and find a, a Agfa Isoli Junior. 
Um, it's fixed focus. Yeah, um, no, totally. It looks awesome. like it's like a forty, fifty dollar at most camera. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. Well, well, in truth, it looks like it probably cost maybe ten cents to make, to, and then yeah, it looks sh- cheap. Yeah, for uh, shits and giggles, they charge a, a premium price for a camera that needs to be held together by rubber bands, duct tape, and hopes and prayers. Yeah, L- pretty much. Lomography. But yeah, yeah. it's it's the lomography. <laughs> I just said that hopes and prayers. <laughs> on it but honestly it is a really fun camera um, um thankfully they are you can you can buy them new you can buy them used so yeah i'm i'm a big fan of it i usually end up taking it out once a year on world toy camera day i really want to take it out more but sometimes i just don't feel like it you know what i'm I have to agree with him in so many ways because I can't lie. I keep looking at the stupid things. I've never been able to justify actually pulling the trigger and buying you one. You know, I'm the same way. I've always kind of wanted one. Right. And then I'm like, you know what? I got to go get myself a whole good today. And then I walk into the camera shop and I'm like, a hundred bucks? And then you realize, you know why what? the hell am I looking for a Holga? You know which film you know, I can buy I with got lucky. Bucks? Exactly. <laughs> I got lucky. My brother gave me a Holga from Christmas, I think, one year. And it's one of the, the older ones, the ones that were... Made by Holga or whatever the camera company called itself in yeah. China. Yeah. Oh, Diana. Diana. Yeah. Actually, there is a photo of me out there at two years old somewhere on Facebook, deep in the archives, holding a Diana. Yep. Well, that that must be a really really weird experience. Can looking hold seeing yourself holding a Diana and thinking to yourself. Did I burn my fingers after that? I, I hope I burned my fingers and like sterilized <laughs> oh, them. Like man. that is all terrible. All the toy camera shooters uh, all, are all, all over the emails right now. I'll, I'll, that's okay. I don't fine. mind. I'll, I'll say if I was ever in the mood for a Holga, I'd take one of my half dozen brownie Hawkeyes, drop it down some stairs, <laughs> and then shoot. Oh wait! Don't a forget to flip the lens. Wait a minute! Yeah. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Holga shooters don't use email. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> flip the lens and then flip the bird. You know what, though? Uh, in in all honesty, there is just something about Holgas. I've seen so many images, and they oh, yeah. there's really I've something seen, about them. Like there, well, there, the, there, there is. I've always wanted, like, because I love the look of some of the work that people produce with it. It's terrific. Like, there's quite a few photographers that have produced a lot of great work, and I've always wanted to kind of explore it. I just really got to get my... Uh, just got to commit to it. Do it, I guess. Well, once your uh, once your legs healed and you're mobile again, you can uh, borrow mine. Sure, or you can always get a wheelchair. Yeah, and to be rear fair, window style, <laughs> rear window style with the whole with the Holga. <laughs> and, and to be fair, the, the the best thing about the Holga is it's not a Kodak disc. Oh god! Ooh, or, or worse APS. yet, APS. Oh, hey Mike, hey, hey, like Mike Gutterman, that's for you, buddy. <laughs> APS. I like APS. Don't don't diss it. Uh, okay, we have a Canadian girlfriend for you here, Mike Gutterman. Ooh. She's used to being with a mic, so it should be an easy Oh, come on now. <laughs> a- APS wasn't that bad a system. It was. It one was... Of my first cameras had wow, so now it's a threesome. APS, it's a threesome. No, it really, really wasn't that bad a system, like to be perfectly honest, but By it that was bad, just you mean it... piss poor marketing. Well, yeah. Look, the system, you can't, you're right, you can't, oh, God, we're really going on a tangent here That's but fine. you can't uh you i agree i the the format itself okay i can live with that it's kind of cool people shoot but, 110 but the whole the whole marketing around it like 
Kodak's sort of last kick at the can uh, before you know the digital onslaught. I suppose. Yeah, no, that yeah. wrong that place, I wrong time. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, yeah, I mean, they yeah. should never have brought it well, out. Well, the impact it had on photo labs and consumers and stuff, I just you know, just, it, was, it, it, was it, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I guess, yep. but yeah, no, I I completely agree with with it and entirely that yeah, it was a piss poor attempt at stealing even more money out of people's pockets. Which Kodak, shame on you for this. But then again, it's not even Kodak. It was Kodak and all the other big yep. five makers. So absolutely, it, it was unfortunate. They never should have done it. I understand the market, but hey, it happens. Okay, well, um, APS again, great way to uh, segue into. Um, making photography fairly simple for the average person to use. Um, one thing that Ilford has always made a point of doing is making itself accessible and just keeping in touch with not only the advanced film shooters, but trying to get people into film photography. And one thing that I that they uh, recently um, brought out was the Ilford Simplicity um, pack. So um, I I happened to be at Burlington Camera. Surprise, surprise! And um, Joan has actually started carrying. Don't you have a spare bedroom there? No, not yet. Well, you do. sign over your paycheck. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, um, these simplicity packs—they aren't aimed for veteran home developers. Let's just get that right out of the way. Um. They the starter pack basically has enough chemistry to develop two rolls of thirty five millimeter or a single roll of one twenty. Um, I don't think for the price point of about twenty two bucks and change is right for a single roll of one twenty. But for two rolls of thirty five millimeter, if you're just wanting to get your feet wet and try it out. This is a great way to do it, especially yeah. if you know someone who has the measuring. But um, you could you could do uh, you could do a two twenty roll, yeah. or or you know back to or, or back yeah. to back or link absolutely. up a uh, link up a, a couple one twenty rolls. Yep, absolutely. So what basically comes in the pack is um, the developer is Ilfasol three, um, and it's enough to do a one to nine dilution. Yep, um, which is a fantastic. Starter well, developer. Like it's what, where I started. It's basically D seventy six, isn't it? No, no, no that's no, ID eleven. Or oh, pardon me. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. an ascorbic, so it's more like Xtol. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's more a liquid Xtol. Yeah, yeah, it's um, just not quite as um, stable, uh, shelf stable as Xtol. Oh, it's opened. You open it two days later, it's yellow and dead. Yeah. So, in yeah, a small form. Oh it's yeah, no, great, absolutely. Um, so I really like Delta one hundred in Ilfosol three. So that's what I processed and i got two rolls of delta 100 at the same time shot them both um actually for the first time in ever a lot of the um product shots you'll be seeing in the episode notes will be shot on delta 100 and developed in the simplicity pack including um a camera review i did of a minolta maxim 7 um it also has the ilfa stop and um, Ilford Rapid Fixer. And again, these are all really calibrated for that two-roll. Um, but it also includes the Ilford Wedding Agent, which is basically Kodak Photoflow. That you have enough for about 16 rolls. So that's good. What I could see myself doing with the Simplicity fa packs more 
is if I needed to develop in the field. They're small, they're compact, and you don't have to buy the whole starter kit. You can buy the individual pouches, pouches. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. as well. And again, Burlington Camera carries that. Um, I love that Ilford has made it, um, it, you know, a solid move by them because it doesn't target us. <laughs> No. But it targets the people who are sort of like, huh, Yeah, well, maybe I, think, I want to give this a shot. Yeah. I have a friend who's uh, sort of, um, I met her through the Oakville Camera Club. She is, she shoots with an Nikon F. So yeah, smiles right there. Uh, and uh, she's sort of shooting color film now, but she's like thinking black and white and like developing herself with the the Silford program. I think it's a brilliant idea for yeah. people yeah. like her. It's like, okay, you know, she's... Yeah, you know, she'll probably take to it to like a duck to water because she has a scientific background. But I, th- you know, something like this it reduces the intimidation. You mean I just got to? Oh, okay, I do this and I put the rest yeah. water. Well, it's true. Like I mean, we've been, you know, probably around this table is easily over a hundred years experience. Oh, hands in, down. In, in, in shooting and developing film, but um, there's a lot of people out there today who grew up in the digital world of. N- you know, I've, I I talked to a, a photographer um, uh, who's been a, a professional digital shooter for eleven years. He's just getting into film now. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he's been posting, but he didn't even know if he loaded the film right his first yeah. time. And how would you? Because if you look at the at the market today, you know, I was recently I was I was guesting on uh, on uh, Sven Olaf Humbersot's. Uh, Oh, the Viking one? The, the Viking, Viewfinder Vikings nice. podcast uh, uh, before I broke my ankle. Um, and, you know, he had asked me what I thought the future of film photography would be. And I said, well, <clears throat> I said, look, we, I think we have, unless something changes, we probably have about five to ten years left. Uh, but something's got to change. And the thing that I think needs to change is we need to start catering to bringing more and more people uh, yes. Into film photography, there's been organic growth, like within the film community, that's mm-hmm. that's uh, been quite great. But if you look at the experience of getting into photography, you go to the camera shop, all you see are entry level digital cameras. Yeah. You don't see any film cameras on the shelf. No, not you know? anymore. Um, you go into uh, uh, you know uh, Burlington Henry's, Camera, Henry's. Tech. Well, anywhere that sells photography chemicals or anything, yeah. like, you know, and there's a gigantic mountain of stuff. Yeah, there's twenty exactly. billion developers out there. You know, toners, papers. You know, even though film production is a, pr- a fraction of what it used to be, um, there's still a lot of films out there. Yeah, um, and if you didn't grow up in this world, it's a lot of information to digest. So, oh man, you know, I'm still digesting. Oh it. yeah, and we learn more Same and more here. every day, right? But to, to, for Ilford to step up and to put out a product that you know brings new blood into the film community is terrific, and it's really, really great forward thinking on their part. I also like to thank Ilford for just putting together a humongous education section on their website. Yeah, if oh, someone comes YouTube to me and says, "How do I develop film?" I just I just give them the links to that and saying yeah. it's that simple. Yeah. yeah, and the reality is, is you know, I think film film photography is a little bit different than digital. At least, what, what, at least the motivation behind mm. it. Like film for me is a much more experiential type yep. of photography. Um, it's less about the gear; it's more about 
kind of connecting with the subject, kind of a lot more preparation goes yeah. goes into mm-hmm. it when I'm when I'm shooting digital. Um, and that's because I've amassed a lot of knowledge over the years. So I know what I'm looking for when it comes to film selection. I know if I'm going to push, pull, under, overexpose. I already have an idea of what chemicals I'm going to use. Oh, hands down. You know, but most, you know, most people that are new to film photography have no idea. That's right. You know, and, and that's this just gives them a solid starting yeah. point. And if you can get to a baseline, so yep. you can say, I can achieve a consistent level of work if I choose this film and these chemicals. Yep. At least now if I if I get into a situation where I have paid work to do or I'm doing a project or an assignment, I know I'm going to get the results that I expect. Yeah. And if Ilford can help photographers do that, I think that's amazing. Absolutely. And once you establish that baseline, now you can start playing. You know, like there are no right. there are no tricks of the trade in film yep. photography. Don't learn the tricks. Learn the trade. That's right. Yeah. Then you exactly. can learn, then you can learn the tricks. What this kind of reminds me of if if you remember the old uh, Kodak ads from back in early 1900s there they've been played over and over again especially like on the FPP. Um, they basically brought photography to the masses. That's right. And one of the things I'm noticing now as you guys with the simplicity pack is now coming full circle to bring in the chemistry side to the that's masses. Right. And that's that's always been the most intimidating thing for anybody who's gotten into film photography is getting the film developed because especially if you live in places where there's no labs near you and those those are more often than not what the situation you are in yeah this brings a chemistry to your door because i'm pretty sure it's mail order oh so it hands comes down order it to yeah freestyle carries it there you go freestyle Never, Never it any ilford dealer would carry it. in fact I, I got a contact out in alberta sherry christensen from uh, negative positives yeah, she's tried it yeah yeah negative positives podcast community she again she is the target market because she just started shooting uh, developing film this year because i think her lab um, messed something up. Yeah, it's funny. Well, she See, actually... See, there you she, go. That's... She started... Uh, hey, Sherry. Hope you're doing well. Um, <laughs> but uh, if I understand, if I remember correctly, I believe Sherry actually started doing C41 before she started doing black and white yeah. at home. So so kudos to her. That, that's that, awesome. That's pretty brave. Most people go the other way. But it's funny, though. I do hear some stories. Um, some people are more intimidated with black and white. And that's probably because with black and white, you have... So you many know, options. It's, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And one of the biggest things with black and white is also times. Let's yeah. face it, it's not it's not a set time. You go E6, you do C41, there's set times. Yeah. With black and white, literally, the dilution, the chemical you use, the film you use, the time of day, how you felt, and whether you had too much beer that, that for the past 20 minutes or not, really, really comes down to whether you're actually going to get acceptable results with the film. Yep. And I just had a really unfortunate experience with uh, HP5. I'd pushed it to 1600. I know my exposure was spot on. Films, the film was a little thin. It's underdeveloped. Yep. It was really simple. I apparently my thermometers, they're not quite calibrated where they should be. You got you got to check your thermometers regularly. Yep. Two of them. Really do. Two of them. And my digital, the wire broke inside. Ouch. It was unfortunate. So I went with a couple. Unless you have like an old school. Uh, you know, mer- mercury thermometer. But anyway. That I do have. Yeah. And I think one thought I want to leave with all the advanced film photographers out there, be a mentor to someone who's getting into it. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. Welcome everyone to this community. Yeah, if you 
if you live in the GTA and want to try um, home developing, um, send me a message on Facebook. Um, fairly active in a lot of film communities. I have the change bag, the tank, the things you just need to make a run to Burlington Camera Pickups Simplicity Pack. All right. Um, well, that about covers it for this episode. Um, my name's Alex, and um, just want to say you put the chemicals in the tank or you get the hose again. <laughs> <laughs> what? Silence of the lambs. <laughs> This is Bill Rubs Smith. the lotion on his skin. <laughs> With the hose. No, or it gets the, the hose again. It's Precious! <laughs> Precious! This is Bill Smith. Sleeping dog in the basket. This is Bill Smith from the Classic Hammer Revival. Uh, just try and keep your focus in scale. It's just a few feet away. Oh, off to the penitentiary with you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to John John here. Yeah, this this is Mike Bataxi of the CCR, and you guys keep shooting out there, and I've got nothing. These guys, they're yeah, wow. (laughs) This is Donna Bataxi, and get out there, start shooting, and keep film alive. This is James Lee. Um, I have an excuse. I'm high on drugs with a broken ankle, so. uh, And what's your excuse every other time? I don't know. So you're cruising at roughly twenty thousand feet. Yes. Keep it simplicity, stupid. This is John Meadows, and the way to get people to try to develop their own film is to tell them that uh, it's like sex. You're in the dark, you're fumbling around, but if you get the chemistry wrong, the mistake is permanent. <laughs> what happens if you don't pull your film out of the tank in time? We'll get to that in another episode. That's when the light comes on, it's overexposed. <laughs> Bring a safe light. <laughs> Oh boy. At least one person got the reference. <laughs> Someone-